0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Negotiation Podcast. Today, we are joined by Jerome Spitzer, co-founder of French Creations, a prominent F&B group headquartered in Hong Kong. Jerome has now established a new venture as well named Boheme Restaurant Group, or BRG, which focuses on the restaurant industry. In our discussion with Jerome, we learn about his experiences in the restaurant industry in Asia and Europe. We also talk about the challenges of customer acquisition and his growth strategies in Hong Kong's competitive market, as well as the importance of adapting to different types of clientele. Jerome also shares his experiences designing and operating restaurants in Hong Kong and France, as well as the impact of COVID-19 on the industry as a whole. Enjoy.
1: After, we have to adapt also to different type of clientele working with, with uh, Hong Kong locals is a bit different than working with expatriates. They don't expect the same Hong Kong locals, they don't really care about the how to say the friendliness of the of the service. That's not the main attraction uh, where expatriates really care about these things. I feel like the the, the Hong Kong crowd is more about it, it needs to be a good deal you know not in a bad way. it's like a good value yeah they need good value. And so that's what we're trying to do lately. And uh, during COVID, that was, that was the main goal, was really to be, okay, we, we need to be attractive. And to be attractive, it's not only the price, it's, okay, what can we offer apart from, you know,
0: what's in the plate and uh, you know, the location we have. Home to over 4 billion people, the Asia-Pacific region boasts one of the most powerful consumer markets on the planet. Not only is it home to half of the world's under-30 population, but it's also home to more than half the world's internet users. It's a market that no globally-minded organization should ignore. But entering markets like China, Japan, or Southeast Asia is no easy task. Just ask the likes of Microsoft, Google, Uber, and Facebook. brought to you by WPIC Marketing and Technologies. Jerome, welcome to the show. Hi, Todd. Thanks for having me. Okay. Like we usually do, I would love to have you tell me where in the world are you today that you are recording from?
1: So right now I'm home uh, in Hong Kong um,
0: and uh, I live in the, in, the, in the suburbs of Hong Kong, in, uh, in the new territories. Nice. Let me ask you a quick question on that, um, uh, a little bit off topic. But we are recording this in early March, and I know that the mask mandates have just been widely lifted. What's that like for Hong Kong right now?
1: So it was a nice feeling. I was in Japan last week, and uh, the news came while we were in Japan. And when we came back, uh, yeah, it was a nice feeling. No more. And, you know, I was surprised because the first two days, all my friends were telling me, Everybody's still wearing the mask. We don't understand. And, and then, you know, when I landed, it's been three, four days since the news. And at the airport,
0: yeah, locals, I could see, yeah, it's, uh, it's going the right direction, finally. Okay. Well, that's awesome. I'm happy for you guys over there. I got a lot of friends over there too, right? So uh, I see all that kind of news and I know they're really excited for that. Why don't you quickly give our audience a quick background into kind of who you are and the work that you do?
1: I'm the founder and uh, managing director of uh, BRG Group, um, which is a small uh, F&B group uh, based in Hong Kong.
0: And as, as of now, we have four venues in Hong Kong. Something we always like to do, because there's always fun stories in this. You're not from Hong Kong. How, no. did you, how, did you, how did you end up in Asia? Where did you go? Where have you been? How did you end up in Hong Kong?
1: Um, so I've been in Hong Kong for 15 years now. Um, and actually I was just finishing my, uh, my MBA that I did in Switzerland in a hotel management school. Um, and, um, I wanted to travel and, uh, I sent CVs a bit everywhere. And I got this offer, um, to come to Hong Kong for a small trading called Patanegra house. Uh, it's actually a company that's thriving right now. Um, and, uh. Yeah, they brought me in and uh, uh, I stayed a year and a half with them. And uh, yeah, I can't thank them enough because I came for a year, like we all do when we move to Asia, a year or two.
0: And it's been 15 years, met my wife. My kids were born here. Yeah. I have a similar, similar. Story. Yeah. My, both my kids were born in China. Let's talk a little bit about BRG off the top. Uh, for those who remember, is a Boheme restaurant group. How many locations do you have? How would you describe your clientele? Tell us a little bit about that uh, that business.
1: So we have four restaurants right now. Uh, they are actually to describe them, we we do comfort food and uh, family oriented restaurants. Um, two of them are called Café Bohem. That's where the name Bohem Restaurant Group comes from. Um, those Café Bohem are more like uh, Italian eateries. Pizza and pasta, very, you know, very much family oriented, uh, with big outdoor space. Uh, those two restaurants are located on, on, uh, Marina, uh, uh, facing the sea. You know, that was really the idea of the concept was having something very welcoming for family, kids, kids with bicycle, you know, schoolers, whatever. And, um, then we have one restaurant called preps and bakes. Focusing on bakery and, and crepes, French crepes. Um, that is also uh, on the waterfront. And then one restaurant is called Comtoir and is in uh, Candy Town, so on Hong Kong Island. So I have three restaurants on Kowloon side and one on Hong Kong, Hong Kong side.
0: Yeah, I wish we could... Draw a map. Yeah, sorry. Wow. Uh, for the people later, who no, uh, Hong Kong. Yeah. Later when we get into, you know, uh, we, 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 we can spend more money on post-production. We'll, we'll start putting up some maps and things. And we'll, we'll like, draw a little, like, here's the bay. <laughs> yeah, and also Calhoun. I
1: can explain. The, the, the fact that I mention it is because uh, for expatriates in Hong Kong, life is in Hong Kong Island, not really yeah. in Kowloon. So my point, when the previous group I had, uh past his group or french creation um he was really focusing on expatriate clientele uh, on hong kong island whereas right now my strategy was more to focus on the hong kong locals on Kowloon side
0: yeah i you know shanghai has you know a similar setup for instance you know and and i know that because Somewhere in the late 90s, early 2000s, they started to develop this other side. On the other side of the Bund, the river, it was uh, Pudong, right? Where, you know, my entire time when I lived there, I lived on on the in, – in the main old – town sea side um but then there was the pudong and so a lot of foreign nationals and expatriates uh, expats that came came to live there lived out, over on that side and that's where all the international schools were like that's where a lot of the main offices of the, the you know the big companies coming into town the big brands or hqs were over there uh, in the newly developed area Uh, And so, yeah, we had a similar kind of dichotomy to the city as well, especially for uh, expats. So, okay, great. Now, and I want to get into that. There's so many things about the aspects of this business that I'm interested, especially when you say something about outdoor space. Right. Like that. Yeah. Isn't, uh, you know, I had friends that ran restaurants both in Dalian and in Shanghai. And it's maybe not as straightforward getting outdoor space right that you know and being able to keep outdoor space uh, as we know in 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 more litigious you know areas of the world like north america and things like that where it's just you know really the zoning and you apply and you get permits and you know it's a very kind of like orderly kind of thing yeah. where it, it can be a little bit different over there i will come back to a bunch of that stuff but i want to go back and get dive back into the resume a little bit go back to 2008 um and and ask you about that first location that you opened with Pastis group. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that location when it comes to what you started to learn about marketing. What were the main tactics that you were using to attract clients and grow the business back in 2008? So
1: back in 2008, that's when I arrived in Hong Kong. Um, I was fresh out of school. Um, you know, only academics nothing of proper working no life. practical yeah. um and uh, so i was working for for this company pattern warehouse i told you about um and i was a salesperson for them i had to go like see a hotel chef sell the products they were like a trading and um and i wasn't like finding myself my goal was to really work in restaurant business. That's what I wanted to do. When they brought me in, they said, "Oh, we're trading and we want to do uh, a restaurant with you," which was a tapas bar, they were a Spanish company. Um and um so I worked for them, I tried to find the right location for the concept. Uh and then we got hit by the subprime crisis in 2008 and uh, you know, they canceled everything and they said, you know, not the right time. Everybody was a bit like shaky back then. And uh, so I told them, so for me, it's not what I want. So if you don't mind, I'll try to to make my own and, uh, and, uh, I can keep on helping you and they were a great support because they, they accepted it. And they said, you know, you can work part-time with us for six months until we find someone and you can work on your project. Uh, so I started working on this project of pasties. I was by myself, uh, working on the business plan and trying to visit venues. Uh, and I knew I was lacking a lot of skills of management and, uh, you know, as I've never been working really before, I felt like I need, I need a, a good partner and, um, and with this previous job, I met a lot of restaurant owner. And, um, and one day I met, uh, Olivier. I was the manager of a restaurant. He wanted to go back to London where he was before. And I told him, maybe I have something for you. If you're interested, we didn't really know each other. It's been six months. We basically starting uh, hanging out and I told him like, I have a good feeling. Let's, let's do this, you know, and, uh, and he went for it and, uh, and we had a great partnership for, uh, we split in. 2021 so it's been good yeah so we opened past this in 2009 and in terms of you're talking about marketing strategy uh, we kind of we were kids you know 25 he was 28 and um, our goal was really okay let's find the best location um and uh and let's have fun you know we were like okay we're going to do this and um if we can make the the same amount of money as our salaries before we are going to be thrilled and come back on investment you know and uh so that that was the the idea so we took a tiny place uh, pastis is like it still exists right now and i'm still a, a director actually of pastis um uh, it's um it's 500 square feet just to give you an idea And, and this place was like welcoming thousand people per week It was insane. And, um, why, why was it was successful? My belief as of today is that it was really genuine, very, uh, it was new in Hong Kong for some reason, nobody ever did like a little French bistro, uh, in Hong Kong and, um, so very genuine. We were the two of us on the floor and in the bar it was so small that only the two of us could manage it. And, um, yeah, both French, uh, French food. And at the beginning, we only got French people, which was really a French hangout, but the community was pretty big in Hong Kong. So it, it was enough to, to make, you know, a good living. And, um, and the word of mouth was so good. We got insane press, uh, and, um yeah it just like it picked up and it was like a huge phenomenon and um that was the first stop for every people french people coming to hong kong uh french people welcoming their families that was the first stop it was it was really the the welcoming place of the french community and then it attracted a lot of uh british that you know when you were coming to Pastis, you mm-hmm. really felt you were in France a little bit, uh, yeah. which can have uh, its drawback, let's be honest. <laughs>
0: well, OK, so I mean, it sounds like you had you had some good luck, right? You had the Absolutely. first mover advantage, yeah. right? So you're the first French place. There is, you know, huge yeah, like I remember you in Shanghai with the French concession, lots yeah. and lots and lots yeah. of French people. Right. So uh, a great base um, to, to draw from. You got great word of mouth and and so on. So I'll, I'll put it bluntly. It didn't sound like you were really having to work that, that hard on customer acquisition specifically. Um, it was more on, on product and quality and, and giving, you know, and, and that really kind of, you know, it was, uh, something that you were able to just accept, uh, rather than, than, you know, you didn't have to mark it out. You just had to welcome in. No, it's, in it's way, very
1: correct. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's correct. It, the, the fact is the location was, is really amazing there. And the luck we had, um, so we opened end of, uh, 2009 and, um, so prices was a bit behind us. Uh, and at the time we opened, um, for, for people who are familiar with central district in Hong Kong, there is, there is a nightlife district, like, which is a hundred meters away from past East, called Long Kui Fong. And uh, and back then. It closed down because they were redeveloping and building a tower. So the Knife Life of Hong Kong lost its landmark, let's say. So everybody moved to the upper street, which we were part of. Yeah. Ah. Okay. So right. we got we got very lucky. We got very lucky. So I don't deny it. And uh it's uh but it's been a great adventure. We were working really hard. So um, because what we noticed right away, because of the nightlife moving to our street, we had to stay open until three a.m. and uh, we still had to do lunch. So it was the two of us with Olivier working from ten a.m. to four a.m. Yeah, that was it. Was a hectic one year and a half, but it was worth it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, every entrepreneur that—that's what you have to do. I mean, you're. You know, hey, what is the old the old adage of you're giving up a, a 40 hour a week job that comes with, you know, health care and benefits and vacation pay and stuff for an 80 an hour, 80, 80 week hour, uh, 80 hour per week job with with very little pay and no benefits. Um, and people want to, you know, they think it's sexy to become an entrepreneur. And, you know, everybody who's been there, done that can tell you it is not sexy. It is a lot. it's It's way harder than having a job. Uh, no matter what you think, so okay i'm going to move on from that and I, I I want to ask so so it wasn't that tough for you to acquire customers in the beginning, but you know customer acquisition um, eventually has to be something that you do need to focus on, especially as you expand and get more uh, more bigger presence so um, I want to talk about from your perspective, especially in that vertical of that industry, how has the tactics around acquiring customers Changed where they tend to, you know, uh, uh, live both offline and online, where you need to reach them. And as your as your your spaces grew, as the number of locations grew, going into BRG now to 2023, how have you had to? How has the landscape of of customer acquisition changed for your restaurant business or vertical? Let's say for 15 years, and then and then how have you had to adapt uh, along the way?
1: So. In, in the hospitality business, my, my strong belief is that location will always be the first argument, but still it's not enough anymore. Um, after we have to adapt also to different type of clientele, uh, working with, um, with uh, with, Hong Kong locals is a bit different than working, uh, with, uh, with expatriates, they don't expect the same Hong Kong locals. They don't really care about the how to say the friendliness of the of the service. That's not the main uh, attraction. Uh, where expatriates really care about these things. They want to talk to the manager. They want to be you know treated a bit like uh, um, regulars or special. You know. Uh, I feel like the 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 Hong Kong crowd is more about. It's going to sound bad because it's, it's, they're looking like it needs to be a good deal. You know, mm, not in a bad value. way. It's like a good value. Yeah. They need good value. And, uh, and so that's what we're trying to do right? uh, lately. And, uh, during COVID that was, that was the main, the main, uh, the main goal was really to be, okay, we, we need to be attractive and to be attractive. It's not only the price. Uh, it's, uh. Okay, what can we offer uh, apart from you know what's in the plate and you know the location we have?
0: you know, let me ask you about growth strategy from the first time you opened a second location to the last time you expanded to your newest location, how has the thought process, the strategy, what you wanted and what you were after, and what made sense? what were the numbers that you were kind of looking towards? How has it changed from that first time outside of, you know, being young and maybe slightly naive and just like having being able to exist off four hours of sleep for days in a row outside of, out of you know, out of that, you know, obviously, obviously you become a lot more wise, but I'm looking for maybe tactics and strategy evolution over the last, you know, in, in 10 years of expanding the first time to the last one uh, that we can pass along advice we can pass along to our audience.
1: So Hong Kong is a is a city of um, of opportunities. So you, you have to seize them when you see when when you get an, when you get approached by a um, a landlord or a developer or real estate agent that comes to you and they keep on coming to us, you know, uh, with offers and uh, and uh, the reactivity has to be we have to be super reactive super quick and that's Hong Kong, you know, um, so the opportunity comes and you have to seize it, but it's hard because sometimes you have a week and during that week you have to see, okay, uh, you have to analyze the district. Uh, you have to see what's there. Um, so the strategy for us, when we were developing a, a new venue was always, okay, what kind of restaurant is there in this district? um what's the what's the clientele what what's the buying power of this area um and what's the best location in that area where is uh, where are all the people going um so it's really um it's a market study always um but it's very uh, straightforward you know you just walk in the street uh see what's there See what's the price. See which place is busy, which one is not. Uh, try to understand why a place is empty and, you know, why one is, is full and you just don't feel like there's a big difference.
0: So, yeah, it's... Um, speed of business. It's it's really, yeah, it's it's very basic. But I think it's hard for a lot of business owners to understand that. I mean, that mantra of speed of business, and we always talk about it, Because I just don't, I I don't think people can really understand what we're talking about until you go and experience for yourself that, you know, Hey, amazing opportunity, amazing location. I know that expanding and building up another location is totally not on your radar anywhere right now. However, um, if you want it, you have to tell me in a week Yeah, and you need to like mentally get prepared, financially get prepared. Do some due diligence, talk to your partners, figure out what you might do there, and capitalize on that and lock it down in an unbelievably short period of time. And yeah. that is hard. Most people are like, no, like, you know, I think the standard MO, especially in North America, and I'm not, you can tell me how it is in Europe, and we're going to talk about that going to Europe in a second, but it's, it's being practical. It's being measured. It's you know you 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 do, you do the numbers. You make a business plan. You know it's like you 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 know it's all about the preparation to be a good Boy Scout. And it just can't work that way. You get left behind if you're in Asia doing that.
1: For oh, sure, to develop in Hong Kong, you you have to be a risk risk taker. And um, one one um, aspect of uh, our development with Olivier before and for me now. Um, is that we never uh, used any banks for our development. And uh, in Hong Kong, it's really hard to have the bank follow you for several reasons. Um, there's two ways to develop a group in Hong Kong in terms of structure. You can either start from one company, create subsidiaries, and, and um, open new restaurants under the same company. The problem is that the uh, system that we never done um is that if one restaurant uh, the latest opening is a disaster it can bring down everything so what we always done is create a new company for each restaurant but then there's no bank in the world that's going to lend money to a new company with no securities and also in hong kong leases are very short precarious you, you can be kicked out at the end of the lease so Banks have no interest in in following those projects. The only way to get the bank behind you is to use the first uh, option with one company and opening with a new one and hoping everything goes fine. But that's, yeah, that's risky.
0: Yeah, it is. So are you moving forward expansion with um, based off your own balance sheet or are you bringing in new investors each time for each location?
1: No, no, only with our with our cash flow, yeah.
0: Oh, Your own money. Yeah.
1: Wow. All so right. when we did um, first restaurant was was a big success. So you know it started everything. This restaurant Pastis. Um, and then we started from nothing. So with my partner, we're like we don't need to increase our way of life uh, crazily. Of course, we want a little bit bigger apartment. We want a bit better holidays when we leave, you know, but Mm -hmm. we didn't, we were really, yeah. Yeah. We, we didn't go crazy. We kept the money on the most of the money on the account. And then we were able to open one in 2010, 2011, 2012. We opened one a year. Um, yeah, actually more. We opened 18 restaurants in 15 years. Yeah. Wow. Wow.
0: That's unbelievable. I have an idea. I don't know. But I have an idea of how hard that, how much work uh, goes into doing that. So uh, congratulations um, on all the success. That's amazing. But the story is not over because soon there's another one coming and it is nowhere near APAC. So tell us what is going on. Why are you doing this? um, And then I'll ask you questions about it after that.
1: Sure. So in BRG, we are two partners. Uh, I have a childhood friend from, um, from hotel school in Paris, um, that, uh, lives now in, uh, in Bordeaux. He was in Hong Kong with us for, for many years. And then, um, uh, he's in Bordeaux and, uh, is, is a very, very talented, uh, restaurant manager and, um, and we are like, okay, you know, It'd be very exciting for us to to do something in France. We never done, uh, never done it, and uh, you know it's still home for us. So um, we found this amazing location in the in the very center of Bordeaux. For people who know Bordeaux, there is the 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 the, the center is all uh, pedestrian and absolutely gorgeous. So we find this place. And uh, we're opening at the end of the month. So I, I've been uh, in Bordeaux in three weeks for the opening. Yeah.
0: I bet. Okay. So, you know, in a bit of reversal of learning, what can you, can you talk about some of the things that you have learned from all of your experience in Hong Kong that you're taking with you to implement? Now that you're you're opening in France,
1: I think we learn a lot of um, you know patience. We know we know, uh, <laughs> but it's true when when you when you we did our first restaurant, everything was stressing us out. Uh, uh, the details, yeah. you know, yes, yes, yes. Uh, The little. Uh, uh, the paint, uh, the microscope. Uh, yeah, right? we were looking at all the. Yeah, yeah, we were really micromanaging everything. Now we, we'll, okay, let's take a, a bit of height and uh, and um, everything will come along and everything will uh, will uh, will fit perfectly at the end. Um, we know we know exactly what are the needs. Uh, so, not saying it's easy, um, and France, it's it's much harder. To build a restaurant, uh, then in Hong Kong, Hong Kong workers come in one month. It's finished. Renovations done. You order everything, uh, in two weeks, everything's delivered. In France, it's more like three, four, five months. (laughs) And, uh, and now is the, the strike, they're going to come. Uh, I I don't know.
0: We'll see, but yeah, if we
1: delay, we delayed, but.
0: Well, then August—that's a right. Yeah,
1: it could be. (laughs) So that's 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 France. That's a bit different on this. And uh, finding stuff is hard. Um, when in Hong Kong, you know, now it's it's a bit harder than before, but it's it was always, you know, there's there's a lot of workers. Yeah.
0: What about everything from, you know, design, right? And we've had a couple of restaurant tours a part of the podcast you know talking about even the way they have have had to evolve design of the space to where it is now if it's not instagram worthy you're missing out on a lot of free press uh because that's you know that actually factors in every inch of 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 the outward facing the consumer facing product uh as far as a physical standpoint is you know designed to be instagram worthy right and and everything that you put in front of them everything that you outfit your your staff in, all of that kind of stuff right so you know we go with that but that's that's new right that's just five years in um so to speak uh maybe i'm aging myself there but um you know what are you what are you T- taking as far as um, things that you might have to relearn about your 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 customer class, um, how to attract them, uh, what are they looking for, design of menu, uh, as far as like even like the the, the types of dishes, the, the the price points. You said you know, hey, Hong Kong people, they really now are leaning in on wanting value. How are you approaching your 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 customer class, your customer demographic, you know, in Bordeaux
1: now? Um, in Bordeaux, you mean.
0: I mean, what are you going to have to change as far as an approach to fit better in France that you might have to stop doing or stop focusing on that you did need to focus on existing in Hong Kong?
1: In Hong Kong, it's all about efficiency. You know, the place, um, uh, venues are usually pretty small and you you need to get like super efficient in the design. At the same time, you want to be creative and you want to need to look as good as possible. And as you say, Instagram Um, in France, um, um, the venue we have is um, is pretty small as well. Um, Efficiency is less an issue uh, because there's lots of storage. Um, But the luck we have is um, we are in a heritage building. Uh, so we use all those, um, heritage structure and try to put them forward. That's what we did in terms of design. Um, you want to be, you don't want to be too classic in France because so many people, you know, France is, uh, is, is uh, is pretty classic in terms of, uh, of architecture, you know, everything is, uh, is, uh, old and beautiful. Uh, so if everyone's doing like a kind of a 19th century uh, bistro, they're all the same. So we decided to go on, uh, you know, bright colors and really using those uh, those uh, antique uh,
0: structure. Are you are you infusing any, let's even say, Hong Kong culture into what's happening there? Are are you, you kind of leaving that part behind? Is there any, you know, historical background that's on the, on the, on the back page of the menu where people can kind of read a little bit about where the brand and the company came from and its, its roots. Um, are you adding that to the attractiveness or to the marketing or to, to any of the visual that you're producing for the new place, or is it not going to be there?
1: So we are talking about it with the the PR, the PR.
0: Give it to the experts.
1: (laughs) So there will be this with the press. We don't put it inside the restaurant. Um, actually it's kind of the opposite because in Hong Kong, we, we, we actually did write these things about France, what we did, uh, bring, uh, actually when we opened pasties, for example, yeah. I told you it was very genuine. The reason why it was genuine is because every ingredients come from France. Every decoration inside the restaurant was bought in France. Our mom came, uh, mm-hmm. to do our family recipes and train the chef in Hong Kong. So we actually did that in Hong Kong with our French, uh, side. Uh, now we're coming back to France and we just say, okay, we've learned the Asian efficiency more than, uh, you know, than anything else in terms of, uh, quality of food. And we were always French. I think what we're going to learn, what we're going to bring is really okay. Efficiency. And uh, and this work culture,
0: it's on the operation side, right? It's actually on the business side that you've really honed your skills. But you're right, and I, I think it's totally fair to say uh, and very obvious that when French people like yourselves create something in Hong Kong, the novelty, the specialty of of what it is 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 you're bringing something that isn't native to that area and you're infusing it and you're bringing it in there and it's it's nouveau and it it's got an allure because it it is foreign. You don't have that going home. So <laughs> yeah, I mean it wouldn't really make sense and you can't say hey, you know, um, you know, Hong Kong French comes to France. I have a feeling I know how French people in France are going to receive that. Um you know, in that, uh, oh, okay, so you've gone away and butchered it, and now you're bringing it back and tried to sell it. No. Um, <laughs> so I get it. But on the all the the, you know, operational efficiencies and the business side of things, I think that's where you're gonna, you're gonna win. Um And so that's, that's a pretty cool story. You don't often hear that. We've talked a little bit about, there was this thing called COVID that happened. I don't know if anybody ever remembers that. But obviously, I think anybody in the world knows how that impacted the food and beverage industry, right? I mean, I can't think of an industry that maybe was immediate hit harder immediately and for longer than that business. So tell us what you went through during COVID, the, the pivots, the adaptations, um, the tactics you used to stay alive during those times.
1: Yeah, that was tough. Um, so in Hong Kong, just to give a bit of context um from 2020 to basically mid 2022 um there was a lot of restriction we were never closed fully um was never closed only bars were closed but restaurants were were able to stay open but with crazy restrictions so at some point uh we had to put a meter and a half in between tables and it was table of two, table of two maximum, and closing at six p.m. So when you're a restaurant uh, that focus on dinner, after the, after dinner drinks, you basically are yeah, in in a bad spot. So um, luckily we had a lot of restaurants that were family oriented, as I said, uh, outdoor space. Uh, so that saved us. What saved us is we had those very open restaurants where everybody was feeling safe because we were outside, you know, a lot of air and people felt like, okay, less danger, even though. Yeah. Um, so in terms of strategies that we put in place, I think Hong Kong, it was, um, I mean, because of COVID. At some point get a bit nuts. You know, everybody was doing this crazy promotion and everything was basically free. They just wanted traffic. Um, people went a bit far, I think in terms of trying to be creative, um, what we did, um, we tried to, to stay ourselves and, um, and, uh, provide the best service and, and the best food possible. Um keep the smile um, and you're only as good as, as your team really. So I got very lucky because all the people working with me have been amazing during this time. And, and I think Hong Kong people uh, really care about their restaurant scene. And honestly, uh, we got amazing support and people were coming for lunch, you know, uh, enjoying, uh, as much as possible, you know, taking wine and it was it was yeah it was really touching to see all the the French community really supported us, but even the the Hong Kong community they really didn't want any place they like to close down you know so so yeah that was pretty cool.
0: So you, you talked about the outdoor spaces again, which reminded me I wanted to talk to you just about uh, maybe somewhat granular particulars, but let's say dealing with government officials that um, they sometimes, you know, in parts of like, you know, early in the two thousands a lot of friends with bars and restaurants and things up, up North China and things like this. And, um, you know, they, you know, they would come in and test your metal on, on how, you know, on, on how you were as a business person and who you were involved with and, you know, might rattle around looking at some of your air conditioners or your fryers or the cleanliness or ventilation, or, you know, were you following the right zoning and permits and such? And, you know, how did you work through that aspect of things that I know you probably had to try to learn quick and, 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 you know, have fast feet through some of those times. And then how did it does it still go on or or has it ended because your brand is is uh no longer being interrupted uh, by such things
1: honestly uh in terms of um uh officials and and laws in hong kong it's um what I love about Hong kong actually is that it's we talk uh, always we always talk about it based the efficiency and um and it can feel unfair sometimes. Um, but, but the, yeah, it's, I think it's maybe the, the British heritage in Hong Kong it's very pragmatic and, uh, and there is some, some laws that, you know, that drive us nuts. For example, we were talking before about uh, outdoor space. It's really hard, really hard to get a, a license for outdoor space, which sometimes feels like, you know, hard to understand um in terms of license it's it's super straightforward uh very not easy but if you if you follow the guideline everything is pretty smooth uh in terms of uh um yeah and you liquor were talking license? About, yeah liquor license it takes a bit of time but it's not hard to get you just have to have a, a good record um if you have a bar and uh, there's fights all the time and uh, and uh yeah you will lose your license eventually
0: yeah don't be a problem
1: yeah they don't want problem
0: so yeah
1: uh, yeah when i was saying it's it's efficient it's uh it's pragmatic they just want they don't want trouble so if you don't give them trouble honestly it's uh it's you uh, get trouble it's not too hard yeah
0: Okay, sounds good. That's uh, that's good to hear. Uh, what's next for 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 BRG? Um, do you have further expansion plans? Uh,
1: yeah, in, in so, other places. So we just um, entered a joint venture uh, with um, with a, a nice restaurant in uh, in central. Um, so we took some shares, and uh, we're going to take care of the management of this place from now on. It's called La Camineta, um, and it's also uh, a very famous uh italian trattoria uh and uh we're gonna open this year uh in lisbon portugal so another project in europe and we plan to open another one in hong kong this year
0: i love lisbon um i was there just a few months ago for the second time it is uh super fabulous it's, yeah, it's, it's growing yeah, yeah. um yeah. and that's and I mean looking for those areas where you're seeing the demographic growth certainly in certain demographics I'm sure you you probably pay attention to certain aspects of demographic demographic growth that matter to you the clientele that you're after and, and watching those numbers but I know you know and web Summit you know the largest world's largest tech conference in Lisbon now uh, for many years it has become a place that i know a lot of expats are really looking to go yeah, um, it's insane. the food the, the culture yeah. the yeah, yeah. it's it, yeah it is absolutely unbelievable it's quite possibly one of my favorite places in the world to eat uh and i say that having lived in asia so um that's great okay jerome uh as we always do and i i think this is actually how we managed to find you to have you come on the show was that somebody nominated you. So we want to kind of let give you the opportunity (laughs) to to return the favor. Maybe a couple of people that really know Asia well in different industries or some things like this, um, who can talk to the rest of the world about doing business in Asia. A couple of people you might like to mention.
1: So the first one uh, I think of is uh, Asen. Um he created a, an amazing uh, startup company called BistroChat in Hong Kong. Um so BistroChat is actually a partner of us. Um we work a lot with it. So he started as a, um as a booking app for restaurants and he okay. totally developed it and uh, now he's doing uh CRM loyalty program uh uh even like kind of open table that you, that there is in the U S uh, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very exciting and, uh, it's a, it's a great platform for us. It's a, it's a great help. And, uh, we were talking about the technologies that helped in, uh, during COVID that, that was one of them, uh, to understand really our clientele and using CRM. Um, yeah, these things, uh, in our industry. Uh, were not really used before. And uh, thanks to those guys, yeah, we had access to it. Um, Excellent. And then second one I think of is uh, Leo. Yeah, he's actually based in London. Um, he has a, an amazing wine trading company. Uh, I work with them a little bit. And um, and they, they are all over the world, but they're quite strong in Asia. Uh, mm. And they actually just launched also a gold trading business. So maybe it could be interesting for you. Yeah,
0: It is. It is. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, we love the boots on the ground, love the boots on the ground, but even there are a lot of people who have been very successful in Asia without actually having to permanently put boots on the ground uh, in any one specific location, but have still been able to figure out how to build a brand and to build a business throughout Asia without e myself, eight years, you, I don't know, 15, you know, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to have to be that way. And I think it's going to be an angle that we explore a lot more as, as we go further, because I think just with the nature of the world being uh, all networked and interneted up uh it people are finding a way around it uh and hopefully through this podcast as well okay awesome (laughs) uh jerome uh really appreciate um you being on the show uh where can people potentially find you or the restaurants uh or uh you know any of the things that you're into where could they find you
1: i am in my restaurants every day yeah i usually
0: tour in between them any websites that has all your locations on them or anything
1: yeah it's a uh, BRG.HK.
0: BRG.HK. Super simple. It's five letters. Yeah. I love it. all right thanks very much okay so for those of you who are watching our video uh don't forget that if you need your hands and your 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 eyes for other things uh, you can of course go download the 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 audio only podcast on on stitcher and apple play and and spotify and everywhere you get your podcast and for those of you just listening to the podcast come see jerome and i uh live and in person uh just go to the wpic youtube channel and you will find the latest recordings all there but uh, yeah, for now, Jerome, thank you very, very much for being on the show. Thanks, Dud. Thank you very much. And everybody else, see you next time. Growing a company is hard. Doing it in a foreign market? Exponentially so. The best piece of advice I can give you is not to do it alone. When you start looking at the Asia-Pacific region for further expansion possibilities, and I sincerely hope you do, make sure you choose the right partners to do it with.